Okay, trying to intercheck. I get. I am back with uh, Jesus Jason Diego uh, joining me via cell from phone. Excuse me, from New York City. They're part of the organizing committee, the organizers of the Restaurant uh, Workers Council, or looking at organizing the restaurant sector in New York City. Uh, in an independent and democratic union. So uh, they were going over some points from their general council, their first general assembly. Excuse me. Uh, I'm going to just turn the show right back over to them. Go ahead. Right. Thank you, Ken John. Uh, beautiful introduction. Uh, like you said before, we were talking some of the points that came out of uh, the general assembly, which we believe will uh, form uh, the, our program going forward. Uh, the fifth point that we had uh, was that uh, only workers can save ourselves. Uh, we see that um, the organized working class has been effectively uh, decimated, uh, not in the literal uh, sense of the word. Uh, over the past half century, uh, we see the unionization rate uh, in our industry, for example, decline from 20% to 1.4% uh, today. Uh, we see that the experience, uh, the, the attempts of uh, the past half century have led us nowhere. And uh, we've had to learn that lesson again and again and again. So uh, instead of um, various collaborations, cooperative schemes, uh, sharing schemes, we need to walk the long and hard path and build our own union. Uh, estamos hablando sobre solo podemos salvarnos a nosotros mismos por camino largo y duro de establecer un sindicato. Tiene un comentario para añadir. Okay, uh, so the sixth point that we have is that Zopan is no solution to our problems. We see that uh, when uh, union density declines in this country, that uh, uh, we've seen a corresponding rise in the extent and importance of legal, uh, quote unquote, solutions to our problems. Uh, as the collective strengths of the uh, <clears throat> us as workers has declined, uh, we see the law try to come in and fill the gap. Uh, collective bargaining has effectively been replaced by both litigation and legislation. Uh, however, uh, in the best case, litigation can only provide a unique and uh, temporary solution for a handful of workers, whereas uh, collective bargaining that can transform the whole sector can uh, transform our situations and for every worker on a very durable basis on a wide range of issues. Uh, so again, our point is that uh, Individual lawsuits are not sufficient to transform our sector uh, and that we do need an independent and democratic union. Uh, sorry, John, it, it looks like uh, Jesus just got dropped from the call. Okay, I, all right. So again, okay, I'll just throw in here for listeners. So uh, we were with Jason, Jesus, and Diego, like I said, with Restaurant Workers Council. We lost Jesus. He got dropped from the call. Uh, we were just talking about that before we got back on the air, right? Technology's great, except when it isn't. Uh, so carry on. If he comes back, bring him back in, Diego. Yeah, you should be good. Uh, Jesus, uh, le pregunté si tiene algo para añadir sobre el quinto punto, sobre cómo uh, solo los trabajadores podemos salvarnos a nosotros mismos. Sí, eso está claro que en todo caso no, tira que los dueños de restaurantes o a salvar nosotros solo nosotros podemos salvarnos 
como dicen en Latinoamérica, solo el pueblo salva al pueblo. Porque nosotros somos los que podemos luchar por cada uno de nosotros mismos. Y porque si no, no lo hacemos, pues no voy a decir que los, no hay ningún dueño de un restaurante a decir, que por su derecho, mire, le estoy haciendo esto mal. Entonces, todos nosotros mismos podemos salvarnos a nosotros mismos. Right. You said uh, uh, this point uh, about how only workers can save ourselves can seems, uh, uh, seems very obvious. If you worked in the restaurant industry, you see that there's no boss that's uh, looking uh, out for your livelihood, for that matter. And as they say in Latin America, only the people can save the people. Solo pueblo puede salvar al pueblo. Because we're the only people that are able to uh, take care of all of each other. And so, yes, obviously, it's up to us to uh, defend ourselves, to protect our own interests. Absolutely. Uh, and I'll just throw this in. I see that I, I, to me, I see overemphasis even on the National Labor Relations Board. How there's this big argument we need X into the White House for the Labor Relations Board uh, appointees. Uh, but at very best, that's eight years, uh, sometimes only four years. And you made a great point, Diego, how those can be really specific and temporary. So I'll just throw that in there and, and turn it back to you. I mean, like uh, we said earlier, at some point, even in an article, that um, even when it comes to uh, people make a big deal of, of Biden uh, in terms of his uh, nominal pro-union stances, but we see that he's had chances ranging back to 1977 to actually uh, do something to uh, improve a lot of uh, unionized workers to make it easier to unionize for years. Like uh, we saw that immediately after Obama was elected, there was all this talk of uh, uh, an act that would uh, to to uh, make card checks sufficient for organization, but we saw Biden and Obama just weren't interested in spending any political capital on making that happen. Then we see this old promise that's near, that's almost a decade old at this point, that's, uh, to to make it happen again. And I don't think that we can really just depend on uh, politicians to hand us uh, these golden tickets that will just lead to our success. And then there's also the point of how Biden is very close with union busting lawyers. Uh, I, I agree. Uh, yes. Yes. Right. Yeah. So, uh, it's still completely up to us. Absolutely. I was taken. I was dogpiled for challenging Biden uh, by members uh, in the uh, labor hierarchy. Uh, I agree with you 100 percent. Um, and again and again uh, with Obama, he waited till the near the end of his uh, second term uh, to make some changes with like federal contractors, minimum wage for federal workers, federal contract workers. Um, and so, right, again, it, uh, as a democratic socialist, I believe in a, a democratic, I believe there is a power in voting. Uh, but it, again, it's got, we have to put it in our hands uh, again. Uh, go right ahead and continue on. Right. Uh, continuing on with things that are solutions to our problems, uh, we have uh, the phenomenon of uh, so-called worker centers, which have also tried to uh, fill the gap when uh, unions in various sectors, especially ours, began to disappear. Uh, one of the best examples in our sector is Restaurant Opportunity Center United. Uh, they tend to lobby to pass legislation. They can um, struggle around individual employee rights, always employees as individuals and never uh, workers as uh, collectives. And they can craft supposedly like pro-worker plans, like we see the safe and just reopening plan, the absolute joke put out by ROC and one fair wage that involved tip sharing, which would effectively give half the restaurant a pay cut in order to equalize wages between front of house. 
uh, are a joke. We cannot rely on them. Uh, these uh, institutions funded by uh, big capital that are only beholden to uh, their donors and not to the workers in their uh, industry to really transform our situation for us. And so against organizations like this, we have to assert that uh, the type of unit, union that we want to build will be funded by dues paid by workers themselves with full oversight by members. Uh, in contrast to worker centers that uh, rely on funding from philanthropists, foundations, and government agencies that aren't beholden to the workers they represent in any way, shape, or form. And then also that uh, democratic and independent trade unions like the kind that we want to build uh, would have to be accountable to the entire unionized sector, which is to say that uh, we have to actually uh, genuinely represent and organize those workers in a, in a systematic and meaningful way, whereas uh, uh, worker centers have no say whatsoever in who leads them. Uh, there are leaders of those organizations are actually appointed by uh, philanthropists like the Ford Foundation, et cetera. Right. Once again, flips, uh, you know, again, reflects like a mirror, uh, your stance uh, that uh, it, the, the work it's in the workers hands. And uh, uh, and no matter uh, what mask uh, the other side might put on and its benevolence, uh, its philosophy uh, at the very, you know, at the very best, we're, we're vulnerable to their whims. Right. All right. Yeah, so go go right ahead. So uh, another point is that um, the, the large trade union federations haven't, haven't sufficiently represented workers, and so we have to be uh, independent. An example of this is how um, the Surly, Beer, Surly Brewing Co. in Minnesota, uh, after their workers uh, announced their intention to unionize with uh, Unite Here Local 17, uh, they uh, immediately shut down the beer hall. The union responded with a picket line that included workers from other unions. They filed an unfair labor practice charge against the NLRB, uh, which forced the uh, <clears throat> owners back to the table. But then we have this really odd moment in which the union uh, agrees to uh, decide the election based on uh, whether an absolute majority of all the workers votes for a union, which is contrary to the uh, NLRB rules in which just a majority of the votes cast have to support a union, and they ended up uh, allowing the beer hall to close again and then to only lose this election on very strange terms that have never been, uh, to my knowledge, used in a union election before. Uh, they ended up losing that election by one vote. And uh, we see this as like a typical of the bureaucratic unions that have uh, represented, uh, whose uh, leaders, at least, for the past 70 years have represented the interests of the bosses that they're supposed to fight better than that of um, the workers whose lives they're supposed to improve. Uh, and this is uh, the consequence of a leader that sees their role as maintaining stability instead of transforming uh, labor relations. Uh, in our own sector, unions, uh, it's very clear that unions are essentially non-existent in our sector because uh, large trade unions have no interest in organizing our sector. So it is very much up to us. Another point that we can make is that even when our sector was organized, the majority of the workers, uh, organized workers in our sector were actually organized by independent unions. Um, this would be in the amalgamated food workers and the food workers industrial union in the 1930s. And then we see it uh, earlier on even with the massive leader uh, uh, strike in 1912 and 13 in New York City. 
those are uh, great points, interesting points. Uh, it makes me think of, you know, it, it, looking at labor history in the United States, um, we had this great militancy in the 1930s or before that, like, well, you know, well before that, 1912, uh, 1930s, some of the great uh, victories uh, was by uh, union militancy uh, represented by, uh, among other groups, uh, the, the communists. Uh, but after the 50s, uh, we had, well, I will call it a bloodless purge, uh, not like the Stalinist purge in the Soviet Union. We basically purged our, uh, uh, we flushed out some of the most uh, capable uh, organizers, activists, comrades from our structure uh, during the, well, there was two red scares, but certainly during the 50s, it was um, uh uh, and now we're uh, we're uh, we're drinking the cup we poured, as like you say, when we're down like three percent, one and a half percent representation in a private sector. So go uh, right yeah. ahead. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, a little uh, very short aside that I think illustrates the, the absolute despondency in the minds of our supposed like uh, labor leaders today is that they see the apex of the labor movement to be this period of compromise and reaction to the 1950s. But the reality is, is that the height of the labor movement was early in the 20th century in this country and in the late 19th century in which American workers were really the vanguard of the worker movement of the entire world. And we've completely forgot this period and we uh, idolize this uh, uh, period of compromise and reaction in which suddenly all, like the role of the labor leader was actually to oppose strikes not fight to uh, support uh, intervention, anti-worker interventions around the world. I, I right. think that, that shows how short-sighted our supposed leaders of the labor movement have been for a very long time. Yeah, just as a vignette here, I just just got off a call through my labor's local 238 out of Spokane, and uh, some of my uh, brothers in the union actually asked me, says, oh, so are we allowed to strike? It's like, uh, it's like, oh man! What do you make? What do you make of a union leader that puts a no strike clause in their contract? Right, he just basically, basically, it's like going to a gunfight with uh, no ammunition, right? right. Yeah. Oh yeah, we're on and on. Yeah, yeah, we could we could we, we could get really lost in the weeds. It could become hilarious. There you go. Yeah, all the analogies. But yeah, but here we are. Okay, we're coming into. Uh, let's reintroduce everybody here. I'm speaking with Jason Jesus and Diego, uh, part of the Restaurant Workers Council, New York City, looking at organizing the restaurant sector, not individual restaurants, into an independent and democratic union. Uh, I'm John Andercheck. I'm recording this to play on KRFP Moscow, Idaho uh, later on, as well as going up on my podcast, Labor Lines. So uh, go right ahead. I kind of get, get off in the weeds here. You guys are very gracious with me, very patient, but go right ahead and, and keep presenting your program. Right. So um, uh, the ninth point is that uh, the larger trade unions tend to be undemocratic, so we have to be democratic. Uh, there are numerous examples in which uh, big uh, corporatist unions that uh, seek to compromise their bosses actually override the decisions of their membership. You see this in uh, 2018, uh, where the Teamsters uh, that represented uh, a quarter of a million UPS workers actually overrode a no vote by their membership to impose a contract that the workers didn't want. Uh, that's just a uh, 
very good and recent example, but we see that in general, a bureaucratic union that fails to implement worker democracy can only be a weapon in the hands of bosses. That we have no interest in that. Uh, we seek to build a union that's democratic from top to bottom, and which uh, leaders should be elected regularly, in which they should always be uh, subject to recall, and that all of the decisions should be made by an open vote of all of the union's membership. Uh, is this, sobre cómo los, los uh, líderes tienen que ser elegidos, que pueden ser revocados en cualquier momento, y que todas las decisiones mayores van a ser hechas por uh, voto general y abierto uh, de los miembros del sindicato. ¿Tienes algo más para decir? No, esto está claro. Yeah, he said that that's clear. Okay, and then we also say as workers we have our own politics. So, uh, in our opinion, a union gives workers the power to fight for the general interest of all workers and not only the workers in uh, that particular sector. Uh, and that, again, the union gives the workers the power to form alliances with other sections of society that are struggling in suppression and exploitation. We don't believe that workers should be uh, chained to their workplaces. We think that we have a leading role in all of society. Uh, and then we also see that we have a long-term interest to uh, transform the relationship between workers and bosses, which is something that shapes every other aspect of our society, uh, and to really uh, <clears throat> change the situation in which all the wealth we create as workers ends up in the pockets of a few hunters, and the rest of us are left with uh, nothing. That's absurd. Uh, and, this, uh, and in this kind of struggle, we need to unite with all of those that are fighting against exploitation and oppression, and not necessarily just workers in our sector. This means that uh, we have to openly be against uh, police violence and racist police terror in big cities. Uh, we need to fight for the uh, uh, political and economic rights of our undocumented comrades. And that the union can provide us with the uh, unity and organization necessary to take up the task of uh, transforming society in the world in the interest of those that are currently oppressed and exploited. Uh, Jason, do you have anything you want to add to that? I think the, the last point um, where we actually highlight that we have our own politics is um, very important because it it kind of takes us back to the first position that we acknowledge in our point, which is that there is an antagonism between the workers and the capitalists. I think that's the spontaneous feeling that anyone feels when on the job. And understanding that that is not a matter of whether there's a good boss or a bad boss, but that is a fundamental antagonism. And then as you move through all of the points that we present, the, the um, struggle for undocumented workers, the, um, the different solutions that are proposed to us that are always in favor of kind of begging from the system set up for the benefit of capitalists, the law, the, um, the different types of uh, workers organizations that are out there set up by philanthropists they kind of lead you one by one um to the concept of our own political position i think it's one of the um the power of this program what really stems from its research and the research was developed also in a democratic fashion through numerous interviews with organizers 
introductory meetings that we held for over six months so that we were able to talk to workers who had just been laid off that were having some of the most um, spontaneous, clear visions they'd had in years of exactly what was happening in the industry. And it allowed us to compile each point in a way that leads us from kind of that spontaneous antagonistic feeling that you have when you're experiencing a layoff to finally, in the last point, understanding that we need to take a political position. And the whole point of unionization is for us as a class to stand together and enrich and better our society as a whole. Entonces estábamos hablando sobre como trabajadores tenemos nuestra propia política. Uh, Jason estaba hablando sobre cómo eso fluye de la realización que tenemos una relación antagonística con uh, nuestros jefes y cómo tenemos que tomar nuestro papel como trabajadores para transformar la uh, sociedad en nuestra imagen para uh, mejorar las vidas a los que están explotados y oprimidos. Uh, Tiene un comentario que quería añadir a eso. Sí, bueno, el principal objetivo de nosotros como, como una unión sindical pues va a ser buscar el objetivo de los trabajadores. Siempre vamos a tener, nunca vamos a estar a favor de las decisiones de los dueños. Siempre vamos a estar a favor de, de que una decisión que sea tomada dentro de un restaurante pues que sea para beneficio de los trabajadores. Porque a, a nosotros no nos interesa que el dueño tenga más ganancia a costa del, del trabajo extra de los trabajadores y que los, los dueños sigan teniendo más billetes y los trabajadores sigan en el mismo nivel. O sea. Right. Right. Um, just saying that uh, in uh, the wider society as well as in our workforce, we need to advocate the interests of workers. It's not at our interest whatsoever that the uh, 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 to use a colloquial phrase, the owners keep stacking paper, uh, making money, and that we maintain at the same uh, level. We need to make sure that the decisions that happen in the restaurant industry, that uh, that they flow from the interests of workers, and that goes on to uh, the rest of society as well. Yeah. Excellent. Uh, if I might, you, you, what your words ring, uh, ring in my faith teaching, um, and uh, to quote, uh, the current pontiff, Pope Francis, when he uh, spoke to the Italian uh, equivalent of the AFL-CIO a few years ago, uh, he said that the unions only serve half their mission to social innovation when they serve their membership. They, uh, they have to serve the other half, those who aren't represented, those who are denied democracy and fundamental union rights. And I, I hear this uh, clearly uh, without imposing my religious beliefs by here clearly however this source is from you you and all of you uh and the words you've just spoken okay. thank you so, so uh i believe we have some uh time left to talk about absolutely uh, what we thought about the early history of um tipping in restaurants yes go right ahead and um this story is uh, very interesting because it's It, it, uh, we have this very um, strong and like a clear uh, narrative that dominates in the so-called progressive corners of the industry, which is popular among uh, philanthropists, uh, restaurant owners, uh, etc. And uh, that actually comes from the historian Kenny uh, Seagrave, which is a very strange historian who actually probably isn't that serious. Like the rest of his major works have to do with the history of pinball machines, of uh, baldness, 
and uh, all of these other very odd niche topics that uh, uh, don't necessarily fit with like the father of a modern line of research on a very prominent phenomenon in our current economic system, right? But uh, his thesis and that which has been picked up by all of the supposedly progressive bosses, philanthropists, philanthropists, excuse me, uh, bootlickers in the industry of all types, is that uh, tipping is something that falls practically outside of normal employment relations in a society dominated by wage labor. It uh, ascribes the uh, tipping system to be just like a, a relic of um, pre-feudal, pre-capitalist, like feudal domestic uh, labor relations, or that it's a legacy of shadow slavery in the United States. Um, which is very odd because it's a narrative that actually completely ignores uh, the actual history of restaurants. Like this historian and all of the people that follow him and that cite him to uh, try and um, support their tip sharing schemes have no explanation of how these supposedly pre-capitalist wage relations ended up in the restaurant industry. But if you look at the uh, actual history of restaurants, it's very clear that tipping is a modern phenomenon is the form of the wage that came about from the very beginning in the restaurant industry. It's uh, essentially been, it's been essential to, um, it's invented by bosses and has been essential to how our industry functions from the very beginning. By uh, the 1840s in Paris, the majority of waiters worked exclusively for tips. And so we see that this is, this is a very modern phenomenon. It's not a historical accident or a relic of the past. It's a modern phenomenon that has been uh, developed from the very beginning uh, with the uh, restaurant industry. Yeah, that's interesting. Yes, I agree. That's that's a narrative I've heard. So go ahead. Jason, do you have anything to add to that? I just like to see the tipping system um, and all of the kind of uh, ideological illusions as as for what they are, which often is an excuse to keep the status quo. If, um, you know, if they are simply things of the past linked to feudalism or linked to slavery, then the answer to fix them is the next step in history, which is capitalism. So in a way, it's this circular argument saying, that the way to fix your problems is still going back to the owner, the capitalist boss, maybe in some other form, but it's definitely not figuring out a way to organize your own political powers, workers. I think that is one of the most important kind of illusions to work through when you're talking to other people in this industry, because often there are only kind of the there are only the solutions that lead you back to the situation you're already in. There's not much that presents a real powerful position for workers to take as right. the next step. Yeah, especially when you leave all of the initiative to transforming our sector in the hands of uh, bosses and their representatives. That leaves us absolutely nowhere. Another uh, point that was very clear is um, unlike the people that wanted to buy front of house and back of house, we don't see uh, tip restaurant workers as members of a supposedly special servant class that's a historical accident. Restaurant workers are wait, uh, tip restaurant workers or wage workers, uh, a part of the working class like the rest of us that have historically fought together with non-tip restaurant workers on the front lines of the uh, labor movement. Uh, 
since its inception. Uh, and we feel that like all other workers, tip restaurants, restaurant workers should be paid out of the pockets of uh, the owners who are profiting off of their work. And like other workers, tip restaurant workers should not be responsible for raising the wages of their co-workers in any so-called tip sharing scheme, uh, which is the darling policy proposal of the people that uh, put forward this completely ahistorical view uh, of the development of this wage form in the restaurant industry. Jesús, estamos hablando sobre cómo uh, los trabajadores del restaurante propinados no son uh, una parte especial de la clase obrera, sino que son uh, trabajadores como todos que han luchado siempre con los no propinados al frente del movimiento obrero y que como todos deberían ser pagados de las ganancias del bolsillo del dueño del restaurante. ¿Tiene un, algún, uh, algún comentario para añadir a eso? Sí, muy de acuerdo con lo que tú dices, que deberían ser pagados con los dueños de restaurante, porque muchas veces no siempre el negocio está igual todos los días, entonces como que no es justo que un día reciba una cantidad de dinero, un día gane una cantidad de dinero, el siguiente día gane otro. Entonces sería mejor tener un salario nivelado, que me pagaran más por hora, independientemente de cómo sea el día, si voy a hacer, porque eso es una como un riesgo en la mañana, pensar en la, al final del día cómo me va a ir en el día, si este día va a estar bueno, si este día va a estar malo, entonces yo preferiría en mi condición, yo verdad, igual me imagino que todos los trabajadores tener un salario por hora fijo y saber que voy a ganar lo mismo todos los días. Uh, it's, it's just ridiculous that uh, you can work for the same amount of uh, hours and depending on um, uh, different circumstantial factors, you have no idea how much money you're going to leave with that particular day. That uh, tip workers like everyone else need a high uh, dependable hourly wage that can actually sustain them. Um, one thing, we actually found a quote from uh, uh, a workers' newspaper from France published in 1846, uh, El Atelier, which says, uh, for a while in every industry the boss pays his workers, the owners of cafes and restaurants make theirs pay by the conduct and regular customers. Note that at this time of the 1840s in France, most waiters actually had to pay the restaurant owner a small fee to be able to work there, and they won. Their uh, wages were paid entirely in tips. They say, in 1846, why shouldn't the owners of cafes and restaurants pay their workers? They have their profits like all those who exploit an industry. Oh, that's interesting. Wow. Yeah, it's coming out from the past. Excuse me. Yeah, so Diego, Jesus, and Jason with Restaurant Workers Council. Coming up to about the half hour here, uh, I'm John Andercheck. We're recording this for both the radio show and podcast with the same title title uh labor line so hold on here we're gonna wrap this up we're gonna wrap this up now with jason jesus and diego um i'll leave it up to you folks to make any closing statements and uh perhaps uh let folks know where they can reach out to you okay uh, again as always thank you very much for having us it's a pleasure uh thank you for all the very good and interesting questions uh, if you want to find us you can find us at restaurantworkerscouncil.org on uh, Facebook, we're on there as uh, Restaurant Workers Council, Consejo de Trabajadores de Restaurantes. Uh, we're also on uh, 
uh, Instagram and on Twitter, uh, which you can find us similarly. You can write us an email at rwc.ctr.nyc at gmail.com. And I believe on our website, we have a phone number, which you can contact us to speak with us directly, either in Spanish or in English, and we will do our best to get in touch with you right away. And uh, coming up, uh, more publications, including, uh, I believe, on the tipping, tipping system and on uh, the myth of whether the rate of profit is actually lower in restaurants than it is elsewhere in the economy. Uh, we're very confident that we can show that it is not lower and that, uh, unsurprisingly, restaurant owners uh, lie. And uh, we will be having another General Assembly on the 16th of December, and uh, anyone who might be interested is, of course, welcome to contact us and to attend. Excellent. Again, Diego, Jesus, and Jason with Restaurant Workers Council. I'm John Andercheck, and you could reach me at uh, Twitter, LaborLineJohn, or uh, email me at LaborLineJohnYahoo.com. And so we'll close it up, but again, you know you have always have a voice here. Thank you so much. Can't wait to be there. Thank you, John. Thank you. Yeah, God bless you guys.